and uh, welcome to the Interjections podcast. This is the Undiscovered Decade. We are now in our third season. I did not expect us to get this far, honestly, <laughs> but I am very happy that we made it, and we are actually lined up so well that today is the 30th anniversary of the movie we are talking about, at least when we're recording. This is going to release a week later, so technically you're listening to this after that, but yeah. today, the day 30 years ago, the film Juice came out in 1992. So we're, we're going to be talking about Tupac Shakur's debut. Uh, Omar Epps actually debuted in this film as well. Uh, this is also the directorial debut of Ernest Dickerson, who was the cinematographer for Spike Lee for his first four or five films, I believe. So, uh, welcome to the third season. How did you guys uh, find Juice? I know we, we haven't really talked about it yet. So On Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, I was kind of surprised. I think this movie was advertised as one thing, and then when I watched it, it ended up being another. And actually, within the movie, I think it's split into two halves. Mm-hmm. It's got kind of an identity crisis, the movie. I can see that. A little bit. I think the first half is supposed to be kind of not exactly whimsical, but at least be a coming of age story, kind of like Boys in the Hood, kind of like the stuff that Spike Lee was putting out and John Singleton was putting out. Mm-hmm. But then the second half kind of becomes like a hard boiled crime drama. Especially a thriller. It's kind of like a cat and mouse. Right. And honestly, I think the first half is kind of poorly acted for the most part. I think Tupac gets better as he becomes more unhinged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little it's a little unhinging how unhinged he gets. Cause like it's a honestly, like when I was watching it and like you see Tupac get like crazy. Um uh, I don't know, that like he played it pretty spot on. Yeah. Like um you could see it in his eyes, just like um he's like like he like you know he's acting, but like you know like seeing him act that way you know that he's probably seen people that were crazy like that and he probably knows where to pull from mm-hmm. to it's, get just, that it's just fun to act crazy because then you just yeah. get lost they're just like do whatever like <laughs> yeah. he, he got the part because he threw a chair in his audition mm-hmm. so yeah so he was there with somebody yeah. else who was auditioning and they gave him like 15 minutes to read yeah. no i mean they were all really good um and it was interesting because like you know you're talking about how it's split into two different halves i'm thinking it's split into two different sides of the same coin because you follow you like um because you're following both you're following all four of them but omar apps is trying to go the straight way and like do his dj thing and that's how he's gonna get the juice the power and respect and um Bishop, who's Tupac's character, is going in the extreme other direction. So you're seeing both ways interacting with each other. It's almost funny. He's not even going in any direction. He even says at one point, I I think the best scene is when he um, confronts him in the hallway right after Raheem has been killed. Mm -hmm. Spoiler alert. And uh, he pretty much tells him, like, I'm not going anywhere. So therefore, when I decide that you're not going anywhere, then I'm going to dispatch you. So he's kind of just 
at a stalemate. He's not going. Yeah, it, it, it's it's interesting with the uh, Tupac's character Bishop. Um, you actually see the seeds planted for the path that he's going on from the beginning. Because like when we're introduced to all the characters in the movie, like with Tupac's uh, Bishop, uh, one of the first things you see is like when his father is just sitting there in the living room, quiet. Right, kind of just, just, which they just, never, just, they never really went back to that either. Yeah, but yeah, like, I thought they would. Like his father was det- is detached from not only the war- like just everything reality. Like he's he's there, but he's not there. And yeah, then like, you not see, gonna be you like that. that. And then later on in the movie, uh, they're all hanging out and watching a nineteen uh, forties black and white like uh, White Heat. Uh, heat, yeah. Wait, what was the name of the movie? White Heat with oh, White Heat. Agni. Yeah, so they're watching that movie and like. The character in that movie goes like, uh, uh, what? Like he, he goes all out, and at the end, I'm on top of the world. He's on top of the world, but he goes out in a big ball of flame, and mm-hmm. like you see, uh, Bishop Bishop's character start to like, um, really relate to that moment, especially when he like outwardly like relates to that moment, and, like says like, guys, we need to be like that, and like right before we see that scene, um. They stop off at a bar to get a pack of cigarettes as it's getting uh, robbed. And Tupac wants to like get in on that. Like, hey, look, we know how much money is in there. Like, we should help this person that we know. Like, the person that's doing the robbing, like, they know the guy. They just, they're not really friends with him. So, like, he's already, like, right there on the spot. He's, like, ready. Yeah, I think he hasn't exactly made up his mind yet but maybe we're watching white heat and then they the subsequent fight he has the argument with uh quincy q who is over yeah. uh he figures out like as young black men you have a lifespan that isn't gonna be very long so why not or go out great. and raise a glory yeah because like if you and also another introduction is like uh the atmosphere of the culture like you see the adults always talking about like you need to do this. You got to do this. Like, this is good money. This is a good job. And like, you listen to the list of jobs that like we're talking about. Um, and like, not all of them are appealing. Yeah, sure. It's good money. But like, is this something you want to be doing for the rest of your life? Is this the path that like you want to follow? Is like this, is this like, is this your destiny? You're just like humdrum, bust your ass Look at all Q- for nothing. Q's idea of getting out of this life is by becoming a DJ, which is like a one in a million chance. He has to go through a contest to get a good life. That's kind of sad. You know, that often is what happens with black people. They uh, ride on sports scholarships to even get into colleges. You know, I thought was interesting about the movie. The strongest characters in the movie are females. Mm -hmm. Yolanda and when they first show um, Queen Latifah's character, like they... They have a no-nonsense attitude. Confidence. Yeah, like Yolanda kicks out her husband. And then later, uh, Queen Latifah just completely demoralizes this one guy outside of the the studio that they're auditioning. Oh, you know what's interesting with Yolanda? Uh, I don't know if you guys, like, actually, like, caught on to this or if this was, like, particularly deliberate. Um, I mean, it works out that, like, uh, you find out later on in the film that she's a nurse. And she works at the hospital. So like when uh, one of their friends, Steele, gets shot 
and he ends up there. That's how she. That's how she finds out uh, the situation's gotten bad for her boyfriend uh, Q. But like historically, way back when, before the civil rights era, like uh, a lot of like black women, like weren't one of the professions that they could get into was becoming nurses or secretarial positions because like white men in power didn't feel threatened by black women. So like, of course, black women were able to get jobs that black men couldn't because they weren't, they weren't a threat. So like seeing her character basically have a, a job where she had a historical position of power that was like, just always been there for them. But like, I don't know if any of you even knew that. Um, and if it rang any bells, cause like, that's one of the first things like, like when she, it was real, she's a nurse. I was like, oh, okay. Was that, um, like, was that a deliberate? It's probably just so she can see steel, honestly. Yeah. I was going to say that was probably contrived for that. Sure. It makes sense. You know, going off off of that, um, I thought it was a nice touch that you don't really find out that she's a nurse until after she says to Q, like, he's leaving to go take care of something. And she's like, I'm going to be working at the hospital tomorrow later if you need anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, just a, a clear hint, like, you know, if shit goes down, bring like, come find, me. bring him to me. Yeah. Which I think says a lot more than, you know, any of their actual relationship in the, in, within the apartment. I, I had no idea. I didn't think about, yeah. she might work, I thought she might work in a hospital, kind of like as a psych therapist or something, but this makes a lot more sense. So this is probably. Yeah, I feel like that's a little too much of a modern, like uh, to tw- yeah. 2020, like uh, viewpoint. Like that's where, like if, if, if this movie was made today, she probably would be in that position. If yeah. The, yeah. Well, that's why I probably thought it, but I'm sure this has happened to her before. And that's why the husband's thinking that he's like, this is going to go bad again. I bet. I don't know. He doesn't put, put up much of a struggle when she kicks him out. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah, I like Yolanda a lot. I wanted more of her. She's also never done anything else. I saw that she was she's part of On Vogue. She was one of the original singers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I thought maybe she wasn't the best actress, but she was, she was pretty good. I think she's one of the better ones, actually. I had a pretty good career as an actress. And uh, only Omar and Tupac really went on to do anything else. Um, Steel didn't really pop up anywhere else. And well, there is a cameo. There is a cameo by a Scrubs alum. Mm-hmm. Very brief. Yeah, the most famous person in this is Donald Faison. Yeah, I didn't recognize him. I saw him in the cast list before we watched, so I forgot to look for yeah, him. Yeah, no, like, it's funny, because, like, when you see him, uh, you, you see a three-quarters back view of his head and, like, yeah. very briefly see, like, get a good, like, side profile. And then yeah. next thing you know, he's just out of the scene. He's gone. Was like, uh, I wasn't even looking at him. I was looking yeah, at him. Yeah, no, like, probably when you, at that moment, like, when you were looking, like, so I saw that silver. I'm like, I know that guy. Uh, but, like, it's also funny that, like, honestly, I don't remember, like, whenever, like, there was flashbacks in the show Scrubs. Uh, like, because, like, you'll see him when he's a youthful teenager in those flashbacks. And, like, you'll have, uh, like, crazy wild hair. Um, so, like, here in Juice... It's 90, 92, 93? 91. 91? Technically when it's filmed. Oh, wonderful. So, like, he's got, like, the crazy wild hair. And I'm just like, that's close are, enough. <laughs> are, are you suggesting that Scrubs takes place in the same universe as Juice? 
I mean, maybe and it's that either, that, either that or like because I'm okay with that. Like that's my that's 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 a great. I don't know if they thing. ever say where Turk is from in the show. Yeah, and no, what yeah. you're lying it's funny because it's such a small cameo. Because it's such a small piece, you could write it in and be like, "Oh yeah, totally. This was within the this was his youth." You didn't see Zach Braff in the hospital scene, right? Exactly. He's catching up steel at one point, right? But it, it was interesting for the the three seconds he's on screen uh, with Omar Epps, and you're like, "Oh hey, it's two fantastic Doctor characters." Right. Twenty years from now, yeah, <laughs> because Omar Epps did House. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah, that's right. What do you guys think of uh, Dickerson's um, direction and cinematography? Well, all right. I got thoughts on this. Because he came from, like, he was a cinematographer going into this. Like, this was, it's it's the same thing with, um, well, I don't know. I appreciated it because it definitely felt like a Spike Lee joint because he was Spike Lee's cinematographer. Right. Um, so it had that flair to it as well but did he did he write it as well or was he it a, he co-wrote it, it okay yeah see he came up with the that Gerard Brown. and you know this is I, I will champion forever to let the dps make the movies eventually because they have you know their eye and they've been sitting next to the director and they've got their own vision as well because it like the same thing happened with um when wally fister who was say that I knew you were gonna bring that up. And of course I was gonna bring it up. It's it's the only other solid example I have he's yeah. in my memory right now. There's only one movie he's done. I know. It's awful. Listen, we'll get to that 12 years from now. But <laughs> 12 I like transcendence, but that's an old that's a that's a podcast for a different day. Um but anyway, I I did enjoy this movie because i can you know tonally i get what you were saying Corey. where it starts off kind of you know it, it feels like two different genres it's very slice of life. but at the same time it like that's kind of the reality of it if you're living in those circumstances you have like there's levity surrounding the tragedy of what's actually going on mm-hmm. But it didn't segue organic. But because yeah. of I mean, that, that's probably a good way of showing how quickly things could just go sideways. Right. Like, it, everything could be like everything's gonna be all right, and then all of a sudden, like that, you're fucked. Like everything is just flipped upside down, and your world is just uh gone. just destroyed. It's gone. Like you, you just because like um with how quickly uh things went from like young men just trying to get by and like this like urban uh hellscape but like they're still young and they're like getting by and then next thing you know like just like that like there's no going back there's no there's no normalcy anymore especially when like bishop kills the store shop uh um owner and then kills one of his best friends like it escalated and then escalated again and then like you're one an accomplice to murder two you're one of your best friends is a murderer and three one of your best friends is dead and four the best friend that is a murderer now is gunning for you like yeah. it's just it's I think 
it went from like bad to worse to like hopeless yeah i think i liked that because you you're expecting something bad to happen because it's a bad idea to begin with and you just want q to win this contest and obviously they have to set it up at the same time as his contest to rob the stores like this is the only time we can do it can't be able to do this another time so you know something's going to go wrong you thought maybe it would just go bad maybe one of them gets caught or something maybe q gets caught and it's like or someone gets caught and he has to vouch for them and that ruins his chances at the contest but no it escalates and then not only you're trying to think how are they going to get out of this when one of them gets murdered anyway i think i think that was a good way to escalate it like things will not ever go right in this situation he dickerson lets you know this this was never going to get better uh in fact there's a trivia i didn't know about this the um ending it was originally supposed to be Bishop lets go because he knows it's hopeless, but they added in kind of a half-hearted scream for him to be upset that he's falling. And Tupac and Dickerson agreed they shouldn't do this. And Tupac said, let me give like not enough of a, of a yelp. Like yeah, I'm not yeah. really into this. And Dickerson's like, yeah, exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll cut it out later and hope right. they don't notice because he was at the whims of the studios uh his his like the little like i didn't even notice that like little yelp like i just like it's like that's it like because immediately when that when that happened at the end when he falls to his doom uh that that was like perfectly set up to mirror his like at the moment hero when they watched it uh white heat because at the end of the film that character was on top of the world and the world wasn't like there was fire around him and that was it he's gone but like him with a bishop his character he's basically on the edge of a cliff and about to fall into an abyss and Mm -hmm. gone forever and like in this setting like this this is reality and like really you just disappear into nothing and you won't be remembered whereas in white heat the movie that he was watching like he's watching a movie this guy meets his end as glorified because it's a movie so like in his mind like um going all out and going out on your terms is a a glorification but then like hey you made it sound better (laughs) i immediately thought of teenage mutant ninja turtles 3 oh god that no i kind of laughed it was it was a bit of a disney villain ending yeah Uh, but like i feel like it's a good one it's a good contrast to what he had watched earlier in the film um especially uh, yeah, since he that. did romanticize um right basically a glorious uh a glorious death essentially mm-hmm. oh well i was just I gonna say in terms of like uh directorial craft and cinematography and everything there's he does do a few things that i've always hated in spike lee movies that um that are certain camera angles and camera techniques that I never like. I don't mind uh, Dutch angles. The uh, wide. No, I don't mind that. I hate when any, anytime somebody's mounted on a dolly, just to show that they're getting dizzy or something. Oh, that one. I hate yeah. that shot. Really? I can't stand that shot. I I thought you were gonna talk about the fact that like they have to use wide angles on everything because they're shooting in such small spaces, like in the arcade. Now everything is just... The apartment. Oh, yeah. I don't really mind that so much. Okay. Uh, but there was, another part where, there was another part where 
Tupac was talking to somebody at a door and spatially, geographically, it didn't make any sense where his eyeline was. I was like, dude, you're a cinematographer. You should have kept an eye on this. Which scene? He had a lot of uh, other things on his mind at that point. I guess. Well, yeah, which scene are you talking about? I don't know. He's talking. He's he's looking. It's a profile shot. He's looking one way. It might have been Omar. Um, he's looking one way. Somebody else is standing in a doorway. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Looking straight on, and it just it didn't. He looked higher than Omar. Yeah, it didn't look right. Yeah. Yeah. Is what film oh, school no, 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 that's not what it is. It that's... was sloppy filmmaking is what it was. <laughs> it's a message. It's curtains, are, curtains are blue. For... Like... It, it was a metaphor for what the point in the film that he started becoming metaphor. disappointed. I, I will say there was one shot in the, there was one great shot in the movie towards the end when um, Bishop um, appears in the shadows when he's under the dock after he throws yeah. it down the water. Mm-hmm. That was a great shot. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, when that scene happened, I knew exactly where they were going because I got a ticket right next to that diner once. Oh, is that right? There's an exit from the uh, West Side Highway uh, that comes out right behind that diner, right kind of where Tupac's standing. Yeah. And uh, there's a, a yield there, but also now a red light. And I turned on red because you can in New Jersey. And I, at the time, it was one of the first times I've driven in New York City. Didn't know you couldn't turn on red in New York. So I got a ticket. Hmm. So. Oh, it was funny when, when uh, Tristan pointed it out to me. Uh, like I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, I recognize that spot. I've been by there. Like, yeah, the diner's like, still there. Still, yeah, still it is. There. Well, well it, like now, now it's still there. No, I got the ticket 10 years ago. So at least 20 years after the movie, it was there. Yeah, I haven't been back in. I drove past it like in 2016, so it was there even five years ago. Yeah, because like, I, like, on, like, honestly, I don't remember like the diner being there still, but like, I know that spot because mm -hmm. I've been by it. Mm -hmm. uh, There's a at least a couple there. times. Yeah, All right. Yeah, more than a couple. If I'm gonna, if I recognize it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. you know who we didn't talk about really is uh, Samuel Jackson. Yeah. He's playing a sage character in this one too, because at one point when um, Bishop goes in there to say that Q's gone crazy, you can see the expression on his face like, I'm not buying any of this. This isn't convincing at all. And then later when Q's like, you've known me since I've been, I was two. You know I'm not a killer. He's like, I've known a lot of people, a lot of killers since they were young. Yeah. The best part of that, that scene. That was a good line. He asked for help and Samuel, uh, like uh, the help was like, let uh let bishop know to meet me here at this time blah 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 so like samuel jackson puts his hand out in this position like with his hand out like this like as if it was you you're, you're like okay all right i got you high five i'm sitting there like no no he's not asking for that and then like q like he goes for it puts his hand and then like samuel jackson's like no 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 I'm like yeah you owe him some money he's doing you a favor you owe him money it was a good yeah. samuel jackson moment <laughs> Yeah, I felt like he did that on his own. Um, I feel like he's probably been in a situation like that when he was younger, but probably like nothing to deal with murder. But like, there was probably old men back in his time that did like this. Like, yeah, you need me to help you out? Come on. <laughs> I I enjoyed it. I I honestly, I mean, I don't know what I was expecting going into it because 
literally when we were choosing this movie you were like hey it's tupac's acting debut i'm like sold yeah that's all oh I yeah no um, no that's, no, that's, that's all i need uh, and it was it was he was good they were all good he only had two more movies after this where he's alive and then the other two come out after his death in 96 so you sure it's only two more i think so poetic justice and after the uh, above the rim um then gridlock and uh gang related they supposedly they came out after his death oh, i looked really? at the dates one came up October, and then one came out December. Okay, those are uh, both really good movies, by the way. Good luck. I was. I remember being surprised because I was like, "He died late in '96. How did these come out after it?" In '96, he's still releasing albums five years after his death. Yeah, so that was the big thing with him right now. He had just released what is his biggest album, uh, "To Apocalypse." Hmm. I listened to that uh, going into this because honestly, I'd only heard Tupac tangentially. I'd heard him on the radio, but never really listened to an album. So it was kind of cathartic finally sitting down and listening to Tupac. Are any of his songs on the soundtrack? I don't think so. I wasn't really listening while we watched. I did no, listen. I heard to- Cypress Hill, but I didn't hear uh, Tupac. Yeah, it's a good album. Here we go. Here's Here's every artist that's in this eric b and rakim big daddy kane too short uh demetrius ship teddy riley hank shockley and keith shockley they were part of um they were part of a group that did most of the producing on this salt and peppa's in there he's gaming on you mm. uh, the brand new heavies uh cameo was in there word up i remember hearing yeah that. i remember hearing that when he buys the gun Yep, Cypress Hill, shoot him up. Uh, Fab Five, which I believe is where one of them comes from. I think was Tupac from Fab Five, or maybe something I was reading. Fab Five was influential in someone involved with this. I don't remember. Uh, Naughty by Nature. I don't see any Tupac though. So yeah, I. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised by this film. I, I liked it quite a bit. And it, it, it's maybe because I'm fascinated yet again, like dogfight by a person that I had never really seen anything and they died young. So it's like getting a chance to finally look into their lives. Yeah. And I think that's why I liked it a lot. And Omar Epps, it's his debut. I, I didn't really know that. So it was fun to see what he was doing right at the beginning of his career. And he's great. He's, he's my favorite part. Yeah. or favorite actor at least uh, i'd give this uh, an a minus oh wow yeah i think some of the flaws come from what Corey was saying about the cinematography the tone i don't mind switching because that might happen re- really uh so yeah what about you guys i give it an a plus all right i mean i'm gonna split the difference just it's an a <laughs> Oh boy! Wow, well, you the dissenting voice on this one. Uh, um, I have to go with a C because for the first that's lower half, than I thought you were going to give it. Honestly, for the first half, I thought the 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 performances were very uneven and shrill at times, especially with the people playing the parents. Mm. Um, I thought they were caricatures. I, I thought, thought too. I I figured Tupac. <clears throat> gonna have some um some kind of like 
pre-actor jitters. So in the first half, he's not especially good, in my opinion. I think he gets better as the movie goes along. But um, overall, I thought the movie was a little rudderless for the first half. They could have tightened up that first half, maybe. And by the end, some of the cinematography choices were coming off unintentionally comical like when he falls into the abyss and disappears i laughed i shouldn't have laughed that wasn't the impact they were going for um and then the freeze frame at the end again they're trying to do something that came off a little leaden and they definitely dickerson in particular has took elements from other young black filmmakers and just made like a hodgepodge that came off derivative to me. Fair enough. You that, was my, that was my experience with the film. I, I did like the um, the incidental monologue that they or ep- epilogue that they threw in because yeah. apparently with well no with with test audiences they wanted to know what happened to Q afterwards so that's why the music that plays over the end credits mm. is sung by. You know, a more mature DJGQ. Mm. Yeah, when I found that out, I didn't like it. I don't want to know what happens. Yeah, it's fine if they landed on being ambiguous because at that point, um, it's kind of. That's why they didn't hit you in the head. Testimony. I don't know how he exonerates himself. Yeah. Yeah. Is he in the juice now? Yeah, I feel, like that, I feel like that's a little more unnerving, not knowing his fate. Yeah, yeah, definitely. See, yeah, that compromised the test audiences between the Yelp that they added and that. Those are unnecessary. Yeah, you can't listen to test audiences; they don't know what they want. Two yeah, I feel, like, I feel like with test audiences, like you're pulling from a group of people that are a little too. Um, they just want happiness at the end of their. No, I mean, like, so their pe- people are all like a little too. Uh, <laughs> Calm down, back up, buddy. Participating in uh, things like <laughs> they enjoy the participation part of like being a test audience. So, like, um, of course, they might inflate their perspective or like pay a little bit too much attention to certain things, thinking that they're going to have something important to say. Um, so, like, already, like you're in a test audience and you have this mindset that like I'm an important part of filmmaking. So I have, I have, that's the first substantial amount of input. And that's a very, that's like, you know, that's a, that's a slippery slope. The test audiences think that's that's like logic error 1000 right there. That's um, like my test audience sucks. Yeah. And you know they keep people out that actually know what they're doing with film. So they might not get the metaphors or the technique or even just a plot because having not- the audience participate in the process of the film is always a mistake. That yeah. happened with another Samuel Jackson movie that we all know about, Snakes on a Plane, which they suggested lines and scenes for that movie, and we all saw how that turned out. Well, that was like the first movie that like was born out of a meme. Mm-hmm. Like mistake right there. Audiences yeah. are not the best writers. That's a whole. That's yeah. a whole like, other... it, it doesn't help that like um uh, they uh um they they really they really aim for like as average as you can get. Like 
because like the logic is like you want to appeal to the average american audience this is where we're getting the marvel machine from yeah. everybody's like hyped up and on the internet telling a uh, marvel which way to go and they're right. just listening to that because there's no reason not to right <sighs> well, when, you, when again you know this then they get into a deeper discussion at least in like works of fiction where it's you have you know not that this ever would have become a franchise but like you have a franchise thing that has a huge fan base you know you 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 at some point you need to give it as much fan service as possible because they're the ones who are paying to see the movie they don't necessarily need to take too many creative liberties with things there's a fine line I'll say. i know exactly that's the thing fine line slippery slope it's all i mean you could just do what disney did with star wars just kill the source material yeah you know by like, that's not canon it. anymore choke the plot with cash yeah um, Let's veer this trolley back on the track, shall we? So uh, Christian Slater had his um, House of Cards moment where he got to direct address the audience in a movie called Cuffs, which is basically an action comedy where he uh, is, his brother has a security firm. He dies. He takes over the family business and tries to find out who killed his brother. And throughout the movie, he's doing meta commentary to the audience. Um. I, I said that this movie had an identity crisis. That movie really has one. They'll put in cartoon sound effects during certain comedic scenes, and then they'll have people shot in cold-blooded murder. It, it's just, it's very scaling. This is the hellscape that is January films. That's why I right, yeah, like yeah. Juice, and I think that's why I like Juice, because it's about a bit better than a January film. Yeah. There's a, a genuinely... Another movie which I haven't seen in years, but Hand and Rock to Cradle came out this month. And um it's I like the subgenre that I don't usually care for, which is the stalker subgenre. But um with Curtis Hansen directing it, he gives it a little more flair and suspenseful tension than you would normally get from something of this nature. And plus the cast is really good. You got Rebecca De Mornay. Who's um, this babysitter who kind of inserts herself into this uh, this couple's life? It starts to wreak havoc and might try end up kidnapping the baby. I don't re- I don't really remember all the plot because it's been years, but I remember enjoying it. I thought she does kidnap it towards the end, right? I, or she's in the process of trying to kidnap it, and they kind of yeah. stop her. That's what I sort of remember happening. Yeah, I think I think they think she's gotten the baby, but she's just in another room. I do remember that. I remember her a really unnerving scene where she's trying to breastfeed the child. That might be what I'm thinking of. Yeah, yeah, because they find her in another room that's not the nursery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but good movie, uh, Free Jack, which if I explain the premise, it sounds good, but the execution is not. Um, it's about these, um, these bone jackers who, when somebody, a uh, billionaire gets sick, they, um, <laughs> they have someone time travel from the past so that they can be swapped into their body, into a healthy person's body. And it actually has a, it's Emilio Estevez, Anthony Hopkins, and the guy chasing Emilio Estevez, Mick Jagger. Exactly. 
and he's as atrocious as you might think. Yeah. He's never been a good actor. No. Yeah. Not all musicians can do well in film. And uh, yeah, the premise the premise is as preposterous as you might think, and they don't even they don't even try to make it sound plausible. Um, a uh, a movie that sounds like it's probably an unofficial sequel to Action Jackson, Hurricane Smith, came out this month with uh, Carl Weathers. Um, it sounds like it should be fun, but it's missing that Joel Silver, like disreputable <laughs> factor. It actually plays like a, a blue collar drama for most of it, with occasional action scenes. So that's a big disappointment. Yeah, and then uh, probably the stupidest movie of the month, Shining Through, came out. Oh, we almost picked this. Yeah, um, it has uh, Michael Douglas as uh, <clears throat> this is set during World War II, and he has to get across enemy lines, so he puts a bandage around his neck, so <laughs> he has to use uh, cards in order to uh, in order to speak. And in order to get across the border, he uses um, Melanie Griffith's character as a pawn, and she tries to uh, <laughs> tries to control the uh, the German troops by making German strudel. It's it's insanely stupid. Um, I highly recommend everybody pass on that one. Yeah, that's too bad. I thought you were going to say it's insanely stupid. I highly recommend it. <laughs> Sometimes I would it's like something that I would say. I kind of want to see Cuffman. Occasionally I would. But then that takes us to Jeff's moment to shine. Oh, boy. You're going to shine through, buddy. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I put my life on the line for you by watching this, by the way. Well, I'm glad you're still here. <laughs> yeah. Here we Bear go. Bear witness to whatever the hell is about to happen. I need a theme song. I demand I We song. should do that. Now, before we go, oh, the way you did this is weird. Now, that's what I was about to explain. Just bear with me for a second. So Photoshop wasn't working when I tried to. And it does not use the blur feature in any way that makes sense. So this is just gauze kind of covering it. I just want to show you this and we're going to go through it and just don't appre appreciate that it's not as perfect as it could have been. So, all right. Uh, so I just thought this was cool, but this is how I'm going to start. <laughs> oh man! Okay. So yeah. right. Handcuffs. All Let right. Let me ask you this: so, Can you tell who that is? I can. Oh. Okay. So this is. Well, first of all, color scheme. Shut up, Jimmy. Color scheme. <laughs> this is my turn. Um. Color scheme's got a lot of like blues and purples and oranges um, beyond the blur. But the movie, the guy that's standing there with his arms arms crossed, with handcuffs dangling from his belt, is none other than Anthony Michael Hall. Okay, good. Um, I don't know what he looks like. Well, the only reason I know that you know what he looks like. The only reason I know what he looks like is because people kept telling me that I look like him when he was younger. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's that guy. Okay. So well, I, that's I, good. I was so probably as a kid when I met Anthony Michael Hall in high school. You're going to have to recreate this poster then. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Boy. Well, we'll get to that. Uh, um, all right, but he's got... Okay, so... Here, I'll unblur the uh, the rest of this poster. Not all of it. It's going to... 
You'll see. Well, I was going to say he's an undercover cop. Okay. So he's leaning he on a police like car. He's leaning on a police car. He's totally like, he's got a leather jacket and a necktie showing through and Adidas on. Um, and I can't tell if those are parachute pants, mm. but it would not surprise me. They just look like really big. Like he's in someone's cop uniform that he's not supposed to be in. I feel like this is like a risky business type thing or some, some idiot found like, you know, his uncle's a cop, but instead of stealing the gun, he steals the like parts of the uniform and the car. Mm -hmm. Joyriding. Is this Um, a better movie? But also this is, yeah, (laughs) I mean, they are very clearly. Okay. So so the cop car, hang on real quick. The cop car that he's leaning on is on a beach. Mm-hmm. facing away from the water so it's like the car was coming <laughs> was coming out of the ocean did not notice that um but there's palm trees and things and he's he's very clearly on like some sort of either luxurious or deserted island and i think he's in like i don't know he's probably at ventura beach honestly or some some sort of california spot but anyway this a, a, a plot is forming. Yeah, yeah I yeah. like it. You know, it's, the one word is going to give a lot away. Without knowing anything else, obviously, what do you? What would you call it? Beach, <clears throat> beach cop. Beach fuzz. No, beach cop. Fuzz. No, hang on. All right. Well, how, how's this working? Am I just guessing until you get? annoyed with me no no no. i just want to one try you're going to get another chance to do the title because i'm going to give you the subtitle the uh phrase the catchphrase the tagline that's the word this cop's got a brand new partner and a lot of explaining to do does he that's where he's desi arnaz (laughs) (laughs) um okay Okay, but you right. can clearly see there's a little bit of blur to his right on our left. Yes. But yes. there's a new so kind of partner. What kind something. of partner do you think that is? I'm thinking, okay, so yeah, the, the blurred out thing next to his leg, I'm thinking it's probably a dog of some sort. Or a sort. cartoon character. Or a cartoon character. Or Danny DeVito. Probably a little. No, he's probably just a little kid, just a younger kid. It's just brother cops. This is, is that another this is, title. You this is with? the boy version of "Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead." <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, little, that's pretty much all I got. For probably this. a little kid. Yeah. The partner. Do you have any other guesses about who the partner would be, or who, like actor-wise, or uh, character-wise? Just what it is. Uh penguin. <laughs> okay. I like that. that or or a little being the tropics. Or a little robot. Ooh, I like oh, that. God. I hope it's not. No, not a robot. Prepare yourself, please. Okay. Oh, what the? F- is that like a <laughs> stolen puppet from Dark Crystal? Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. Thank you. The hell? It's it's. It looks like a wood nymph. That did he like? accidentally tread on Indian burial ground and like is haunted by the spirit of someone 
and they have to like team up as a as a buddy cop duo it's, uh, because yeah. that would be phenomenal but i don't think that's what this is why don't you start pitching these ideas to hollywood or did he just we we just gotta get more advertising on this this thing um what was that will smith movie where he's a cop with the pinocchio oh no right but this one okay it looks like a sequel no a sequel to the jonathan taylor thomas pinocchio yes that's it but but instead he steals like some well, it had to be, a you know, Native American carving from a smoke shop. Uh huh. And it comes to life, and they're both the dark store Indian cop. <laughs> it looks like they so, would hybridize a dog with the chupacabra. Yeah. <laughs> like what the what? hell is that? It's it's like a wooden Atreyu. What would you call <laughs> this then? I'll give you one more chance because I guarantee you're not going to get it. <laughs> yeah, what does that creature fit? Partners in time. I don't. I can't wait to tell you directed it. End of watch. No. Yeah, let, let's have him guess after we show the title. Here you go, Jeff. Okay. A gnome named Norm with a G. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey. Uh, yeah. No. What? He's Get a little on the first half of that. Uh. So, who do you think would have directed this? <laughs> You'll never get it. Dom DeLuise. <laughs> it was Dom Bluth. Yeah, right. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. It's the adventures of a gnome named Norm. Okay. This was the best image I could find of the poster. <laughs> I have no idea who would have directed this one. Wait, is this like a Zemeckis project? Like I could give probably... you a hint. No, it's no one that's ever directed it. Well, no, he directed. Well, he of... has directed. Um, he know. actually directed a pretty um, well-regarded horror movie. Yeah, yeah. What's what's that movie called? Eli Roth. No, Pumpkinhead. <laughs> oh, never mind. Okay, I'm oh. thinking of something from like 2001. Oh no, he directed before this. Yeah, I could give you a hint. What's on your shirt? Oh wait, Jurassic Park. There you it's go. Not, it's not actually Jurassic Park, but right. Okay, so involved in. Yeah, yeah, he had a hand in crafting so not memorable things in the movie. Stan Winston, yes, hey, really, yeah, Stan Winston directed this, <laughs> yeah, holy shit. Oh, he didn't direct Darkness Falls, he just worked on the effects. It was one oh, of his okay. movies. that's what I was thinking of. I thought he yeah, before this, he had directed Pumpkinhead, yeah, really. Funny. I forgot yeah. about that, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, that so this just shows he gave the stamp of approval to that gnome, okay. That's an effect that he approved of. Mm-hmm. Is this like... Does it, is it, actually, is like, the does gnome... it look better in the movie and the poster's just doing it a crap no, no, no. He's is has gnome... stiff and inexpressive... I wish we could show a clip of this. Is the gnome like stop a... motion? I should have had a picture of it. Is the gnome animated using stop He's motion? An animatronic. Or okay. uh, animatronic. animatronic. Yeah, it's a little Howard the Duck. Mm. Yeah. But you know what's funny that you said that... Uh, it reminds you of Dark Crystal because I kept thinking this is like if they took Dark Crystal and put him in Beverly Hills Cop. That's yeah. good. That's, that's exactly the vibe that I got. So yeah. okay, so they did their job. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean the the poster definitely gets the point across, but the question that comes to mind is why the premise? Why? 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 <laughs>
Yeah, who knows? Well, what I don't know who exactly the movie's aimed for because obviously all the cops up there's shootouts, so that's aimed towards an adult audience. And there's parts where Norm is referring to the female partner's bobos and making other lewd comments. So See Howard the Duck. I'm not quite sure who this was for. Howard Middle schoolers. This. At least Howard Duck was fun. Mm. There's a part where they try to strip search Norm after they arrest him. Okay. Okay. I think we're good on this then. <laughs> it's bad. Uh, speaking of cult classics, one of the biggest actors in the world was in Juice. Yeah. And uh, I think it's already time to discuss him in picking our uh, picks of the month. What are your favorite Samuel Jackson films? You guys already trashed my real favorite, so. Which one? Snakes on a plane. Oh, get out of here. You can go with it. <laughs> get out of here. This will be your favorite. Is it actually not going to trash it. Oh, no, I'll pick a real movie. It's a real movie. It's a it movie. actually happened. It happened. It was, uh, it it was shot on celluloid and released in theaters. Either. Oh, I got two. Mm. I got Jackie Brown. Good one. Or uh, Kiss of Death, I really like. Kiss of Death? Yeah. Ooh. I don't even know. Because I figure everybody else, somebody else is going to pick Pulp Fiction, so. No. Oh, no, no. No. That's too easy, but like it's something. No, it should be like a Uh, I know what Tristan's is, is obvious. What? He already brought it up. He's in Jurassic Park. Uh, Is it my favorite Samuel Jackson film, though? Oh, well, if we're going with that, then I got to change Kiss of Death to uh, Changing Lanes. Changing Lanes, yeah. Changing Lanes, yeah. You want to go with that over Jackie Brown? Yeah, I think he's got a better performance than Changing Lanes. Oh, shit. He was in Jumper. Forgot about Oh, God. I love that movie. No. For all the wrong reasons. There's so many good ones. I know. It's hard to narrow down here. How are you not going with Sphere, Jimmy? Oh, we're gonna. I already, I already said the Deep Blue Sea, another oh, sea good. movie. They ate Long, me. Long Kiss <laughs> Goodnight. That's what I thought you were gonna go with. Long Kiss Goodnight. That's good too. I am struggling to decide. I was about to go with fourteen oh eight. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. I like yeah. that. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I like him in Rules of Engagement, but it's a little dry. Mm. I think he gives one of his better dramatic performances. Ooh. But my favorite has got to be Unbreakable. Okay, I'm changing my vote. Um, I'm going with The Negotiator, and that's final. Ooh, that's a good one, too. Okay. He's good in so many things. I know. I, I'm, we can have two each. <clears throat> Hateful Eight. Oh, yeah. Uh, there you go. Wait, what did Jim, what, Jimmy pick Sphere? No. no, no. Tristan joked that that would have been my movie. But but then I jokingly said deep blue sea. Yeah, I jokingly said deep blue sea. But like honestly, uh, I actually had to look at the list because like he does have a lot of movies to pick from. Yeah, I mean, and also I got to think about movies that he was highlighting because he's in Goodfellas, but he's only in it for like two scenes. A scene, yeah. But yeah, yeah. So that doesn't really count. Yeah, like Jurassic Park, maybe my favorite movie, but it's not because of Samuel Jackson. Sure, His sure. Performance sure. is fun, but he's probably the sixth best performance in that. Right. To be honest, and only because of the size of his role. Also, I didn't realize he was in the original film version of Ragtime. Mm-hmm. So, 
for yeah. my real picks for uh, Samuel L. Jackson, I'm going to go with one animated feature and live action feature. feature. Animated feature, The Incredibles. Nice. Mm -hmm. uh, live action feature, SWAT. Great. SWAT's fun. SWAT's yeah, no, no. Like, again, like, I remember when I saw that movie in theaters, I was like, ah, it's okay. But then, like, after, again, rewatch and rewatch over the years, like, I actually really surprisingly like, like it more than I expected it that I would have when I initially saw it. So, I like that picture. We got Incredibles and SWAT. We got Snakes on a Plane and Hateful Eight. And then Corey, what were yours? Uh, the Negotiator. Probably changing lanes. Okay. And I'll go with uh, Unbreakable in 1408. Just goes to show the guy's got a huge filmography. Oh, yeah, no, like, there's, 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 there's a lot. I mean, there's so much to choose from. 10 minutes just like, going through the list. Any, and any role he's in, it's memorable. Yeah. Just simply because it's Samuel L. Jackson. Like, he transcends all roles. Yeah. yeah. He's so good. <laughs> Could have even gone with uh, Kingsman, you know? Oh, I didn't even forgot about Kate. Yeah, See? there you go. You won an Edgar for it too. Right. Uh, well, that uh, pretty much wraps us up on Juice for January '92, and uh, we'll be back next month with probably a movie that people wouldn't exactly say is the best in any of these people's filmographies, but I have a little nostalgic soft spot for it because I saw it back then, it's and I don't know if it holds up. So we're gonna rewatch it or watch it in the first place. Uh, Memoirs of an Invisible Man. It is John Carpenter, not doing uh, as scary as he usually does. And Chevy Chase, Sam Neill. Oh, Dr. Alan Grant. The horror, he does They're it. They're all Hannah. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll be back with you next month. Uh, hope you enjoy. Juice. Remember to rate, review, subscribe to YouTube and Spotify and iTunes. And we appreciate you for sticking around with us through the first two seasons. Look forward to hearing what you think of our third. Yeah, no, hold up. Shit, damn. Uh...